Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is week number 12, and before we begin anything, we are doing the BetUS Thanksgiving Feast giveaway, the scavenger hunt, if you will. Uh, and some of you are here specifically for that, so let's go ahead and jump into it. The word of the day is this. All right, now the winner of this gets a Thanksgiving feast that's worth over $1,000, and I have seen it. It is absolutely ridiculous. I'm not going to lie. It's insane. I know we're on day four, but you can still get involved. The winner is going to be announced this Thursday, so you can still get involved. You can click the link in the description or just go over to the BetUS official Twitter page that is at BetUS underscore official uh, and find out more information there, but i got to tell you, Great prize, great contest, really creative, really creative from the team here. All right, so let's go on and jump into this. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. we got a lot of games to get to. It's It's been a, a steep decline for us in the past couple of weeks, but we are ready to get back on the horse. We are ready to rock and roll with this thing. Uh, let me go ahead and introduce the experts here. On the left side of the screen, Parker Fleming at Stats of War, the numbers guy. I call him the numerical guru. Uh, Parker? You know, last week, got things back on the up and up. Uh, things looked good until Oregon late. I mean, my goodness gracious, Washington coming through. Uh, what do you think about this week's games? Yeah, I, I, again, there was a couple just like it's been the last couple of weeks, a couple of close ones that just didn't bounce my way. That's all right. We're still trusting the process. Um, we are slowing down a little bit. It's kind of like the pre-rivalry week with some of these matchups. But I think that gives us a little bit more value as we get some non-con uh, matchups and um, maybe some more imbalance between some teams. So hopefully we'll pick some winners today. You have certainly got that right. We have to figure out the motivation for some of these, of course. Uh, that's a fun part of handicapping. Of course, we'll move to the right side of the screen. Kyle Hunter at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter. Uh, look, Kyle, uh, you are the award-winning professional handicapper. This is the fun time of the year when you've already had some of these conference races decided. Teams are trying to figure out maybe whether or not they're going to go to a bowl game. They're trying to figure out maybe where they're going to go bowling. It, what you know, moving up the ladder, if you will. Uh, this is a fun time of year, right? It is, yeah. It's a, a you got to be careful this time of the year. Certainly, I usually lower my volume a bit this time of the year compared to early in the season. Um, I'm hoping to have a turnaround here. Uh, last week was not a good week for me in general. I've had a really good year overall with college football betting, but last week was the first week where uh, even my leans and everything that I was looking at was just not very good. So you're going to have some of those weeks, and uh, I think we're due here for a turnaround on the show. I'm glad we hit our. Our triple play, that's about the only thing that really went that well. But that was that was nice. That was certainly not bad. Not bad. Florida State making us look uh, pretty decent on an otherwise not great evening. I will, I will certainly say that. So uh, let me go ahead and, uh, and remind everybody, make sure that you like the video. We've got quite a few people watching. Go ahead and click that like button, the thumbs up button. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. That is the biggest thing here. Uh, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, and you can also hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. That's every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. I'll go ahead and tell you, next week, only one show next week, and it's going to be a long one, uh, but we are going to do it on Tuesday. We're going to go ahead and knock out as many games as humanly possible for Rivalry Week. We've got a lot to dig into for Thanksgiving week next week. Now, of course, we still have our two this week. But once we move into bowl season, we're getting back into two per week again. So remember, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern time, right 
here. Uh, along with that, let's go on and toss this out. We've got a maxion boost for this evening. Special teams defensive touchdown in Ohio Ball State was plus 240. It is now plus 300 at BetUS. So you can jump over to BetUS.com. Make sure that you get signed up over there. Oh, also, link in the description, by the way. Uh, if you've not already signed up at BetUS, I would highly recommend that you go ahead and do that with the promo code that is down in the description uh, because you will get a $50 free play. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. All right, let's jump into the recaps. We like to be as transparent as possible around here. We'll let you know when we're winning, but we will also tell you when we are not. So far on the season, 98, 85, and 4. That is 53.55%. I am sitting at 40, 29, and 3. Uh, that is four, nine, and one over the past two weeks. I have not been great. So if you want to fade me, I can totally understand that. Kyle sitting at 25 and 21. Parker, 33, 35, and one. I feel a bounce back coming this week. I, I got good vibes. I'm, I'm thinking good thoughts. We got other things going on. Uh, oh, I was just alerted we have another Mac boost. Toledo to win the first quarter in the first quarter to go over 10.5 points. It was plus 175. It's now plus 230. You can also grab that at betus.com. All right, let's dive into the first game here. We're going to the Big Ten. We are going to the noon slate on Saturday on ABC. This game looked a whole lot better two weeks ago. I'll tell you that. Illinois heads to the big house in Ann Arbor, Michigan, an 18-point favorite. The total sits at 42.5. Of course, latest numbers over at BetUS. Look, last time these two met was 2019. Michigan won this game 42 to 25. Michigan is 5 and 0 straight up in their last 5 against Illinois. In the last 7, they are 2 and 5 against the spread. Uh, not great. Illinois finds a way to cover, but typically it's because these numbers are massive. This one not quite as big, and there's something interesting going on with Michigan. Parker, we're going to start with you on this. It it seemed last week against Nebraska that Michigan was playing to try and cover the spread last week. <laughs> of course, kicking a field goal, uh, you know, late, late in the game to go up by 31. I think the original spread was 28 and a half. It got all the way up to 31. Uh, not typically common from Jim Harbaugh. I know he likes to run up the score on, on bad teams. They play until the final whistle. But a little strange there. At full season, Illinois' defense has been great. But over the past five weeks, just not awesome. Uh, maybe just the effects of playing bad teams. Uh, we both had, I believe, Illinois minus six and a half, or at least I did. And maybe there's something to the fact that Illinois kind of feasted on not great offenses at the beginning of the year. Uh, what, what do you what do you see in this ball game, Parker? Yeah, well, I think the issue here is really the big split between Illinois' offense and their defense. So in terms of EPA per play margin, right, like their efficiency per play margin, I have them at 10th, but they're 46th in the Power 5 on offense and 3rd on defense. So I think the issue far far more has has been their, um, been their offense. You look at their points the last couple of games, I mean, they're, they're only averaging 24.7 points a game on the season. Last five, they scored 24, 15, 9, uh, 24, 15, 26, 26, 9, and they're winning against Iowa. Um, this offense is just not doing enough to get it done when the defense does, you know, take a step in the wrong direction, have a special teams play that doesn't go their way. The offense just can't dig out of a hole here. Um, I have them an 80th in EPA per play, uh, or sorry, uh, that's unadjusted, 46th in, in adjusted EPA per play offense, 
49th against the pass and 100th in rushing efficiency. That's a problem, one, because it's bad to be 100th in anything in terms of efficiency there, but they're also 103rd in rush rate over expected. They're rushing 6.5 percentage points more than the average team. So they're rushing a lot, and it's very low val- low volume uh, and low or high volume, low value. So um, another thing that I think is going to, you know, a recipe for them to struggle against Michigan, they're 103rd in points per quality possession, whereas Michigan's defense is first. Illinois averages 3.42 points per echo. And Michigan uh, averages 2.20 allowed. So Illinois, not not those big, huge, explosive touchdowns when they're getting across the 40. They're they're really not able to finish those drives well. And Michigan, of course, excels in everything there. Um, I have this as Illinois by about or Illinois down by about 13. Um, and so the 17.5 number feels a little high for me for Michigan, especially when the total is as low as it is. And you factor in the, uh, you know, Michigan's also rushing a lot as well. They're 109th in rush rate over expected 7.4 percentage points. So I think it's going to be a healthy dose of rushing. I think the game clock's going to move really, really quickly. And we're going to have a low total here. Um, I'd be inclined to think that Michigan is truly uh, better than than Illinois here. I think what's going to get the spread or determine the spread is really going to be pace more than anything. How many possessions will both teams get? Um, Will Michigan play first half Jekyll and second half Hyde like they have been in the, in the past. Um, and uh, relatedly on topic, I'll say Jim Harbaugh is in a bad spot, Gary. It's like a minute left. It's fourth and five on the 20. It's like, what are you supposed to do? Just like kneel and hand them the ball. I mean, you can't punt it. So um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't think that was too crazy, but it was a little bit of a weird spot. Um, I think Michigan will certainly look to avoid kind of that second half uh, or first half malaise they had against Nebraska. That it was only, only 17 to three in the first half, which, you know, doesn't, doesn't seem as big as the the final margin should have been. Most certainly on that. Uh, Michigan likes to run the football. Like you're talking about uh, They, they will certainly do it here for sure. Uh, you look at Michigan's defense, uh, number one in PPA per rush in defense on the last five weeks, number one, rushing success allowed number one, offensive line yards allowed number two, standard down PPA allowed, uh, Illinois, and we did have a couple of people jump into the chat and ask about Chase Brown's injury. Uh, from what I understand, he's practicing. So it, he should be good to go this weekend. Uh, I, I think it was just a, a little bit of a ding up, but he, he should be good to go. And so uh, I don't think they're going to be able to rely on Chase Brown here. Uh, but also the thing that scares me about this, one, the numbers would be maybe slightly less than the 18 that it is right now. Of course, it opened at 17. It's up to 18. Michigan plays Ohio State next week. Like, that is for the Big Ten. Uh, This game doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, It does for Illinois in a big, big way because they have now lost their lead in the Big Ten West, which I think there's 1,500 different, you know, calculations of ways that four different teams or five different teams from the Big Ten West can get into the championship game. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter that much. Kyle, you know, we'll move over to you. You know I like fundamentals. Illinois, number 61 in giveaways per game. Michigan is number two. They do not turn the ball over. As far as penalties per game, Illinois, number 113. Michigan, number five. Michigan does not beat themselves. I think Illinois sometimes relies on that. Uh, This looks like a a bad spot for Illinois, but also it may be a good one because of the motivation factors. What, What do you see in this? Yeah, I mean, I think in this one, um, the early forecast makes me like the under even more than I would have without it. Uh, 20 miles per hour sustained winds uh, forecast for this game with temperature in the 20s. 
Um, I think that makes these teams even more conservative than what they are to start with. And they're both pretty conservative to begin with. If you know the run's coming, it's a lot easier to stop it. Michigan's 126th out of 131 teams in the country in tempo. So they play very slowly. Um, they're 127th in explosiveness on offense. So this is not a team that's going to gash you with big plays a lot. They're going to you know, get five, six yards, uh, take up a lot of clock as they go down the, the field. And I still do think the Illinois defense is good. Uh, you know, they haven't played as well of late. And I certainly think Michigan will get yards and score points here. But I think the Illinois defense is certainly better than what Michigan's been playing against in general. They're second in the nation in rushing play success rate allowed for the season. Um, even though Chase Brown seems to be okay, um, he looked like he, he wasn't able to put any weight on it at the end of last game. I would suspect that he might be a little bit less explosive than he has been in the past. And if he's a little less explosive, anything less than 100% against this Michigan defense, which has gotten better and better throughout the year, um, that puts more on the passing game. And I don't trust the passing game of Illinois here. Uh, I think they need Brown 100% and better to have a chance like the, in a game like this. Michigan's second in the nation in yards per carry allowed. They've been getting better steadily throughout the year, allowing just 2.33 yards per carry in the Big Ten. Uh, like I said, I think this is a game that just pacing-wise, uh, I have to lean to the under to start with. Then you see uh, two things, the weather and Chase Brown being injured, uh, at least to some degree. Both of those things are going to push me onto an under in this one, so I will take the under. I I like the play. I like the play. Hey, Kyle, before we move on to a, a different game, uh, you mentioned those wins, and we know what Michigan likes to do on offense. Uh, if we had some kind of a prop out there, what would you set the total pass attempts for J.J. McCarthy at? Uh, man, I don't know. I'm not, I can't think of that on the fly very well, but I will say I wouldn't want to bet the over. Um, I would think that this would be one where they kind of want to get out of Dodge and get ready for next week, right? And why would you oh, yeah. show Ohio State anything different? You know, you're going to save the the really good plays for next next week, but... Uh, I'm not a huge prop guy, so I, I just know that I would <laughs> I would tend to think that you don't want to bet the over on something like that. Most certainly. I, I would be shocked if they throw the ball more than 10, 11 times in this game. Uh, I think you're going to see a healthy, healthy dose of those running backs. I like it. So official play here, Kyle going to go with the under 42 and a half on this one. Now, let's move over to our next game, a non-conference matchup, but only because these are both independents. So let's go on and dive into it. UConn heads to Army, the bowl-eligible UConn Huskies heading to Army. And Army is a 10-point favorite at home. The total sits at 43-and-a-half. This one, of course, at Mickey Stadium in West Point, New York. Gentlemen, Army won last year 52-21, to but this is a completely different UConn team. Uh, the last meeting before last year was in 2015. UConn is 7-0 against the spread in their last seven games. Army, 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six against winning teams. So that is certainly something to pay attention to here. Kyle, I'm going to start with you on this. UConn has got five running backs, uh, or five ball carriers, we'll say, that have 200-plus yards rushing. Uh, the freshman quarterback, Zion Turner, has been good. Like, just really good. Last five weeks, this team's number 36 in PPA per rush. Army's defense is number 111. They are number 44 in rushing success rate. Uh, Army's defense is number 111 in rushing success allowed. Uh, they're number 29 in standard down, so they stay ahead of the chains. Army number 82 in that spot. Uh, this Army team, while still good on offense, the defense has certainly fallen off, 
and UConn looks primed to be able to take advantage of that. What, what do you see in this one? Yeah, first, guys, um, UConn is bowl eligible at this point, right? But there's nothing that they're locked into. Uh, you know, that we've seen teams in this spot lose uh, lose out to a bowl spot to somebody else in the past. So I think there is plenty of incentive for UConn to keep trying to win games here. Because- oh, that's eight. Hey, let me interrupt you right there. Jim Mora Jr. did say, I believe on Monday at his press conference, that six wins is not our goal. That's not what we're here for. He said, I got fired for winning six games in a year. So that's not the goal. All right, go ahead. I like the hat, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was excited to get the chance to wear the UConn hat. I thought this would only come out on the college basketball show, to be honest. But it's, it's nice to be able to wear the UConn hat here. Uh, I think this is a case where some people could say that this is a bad spot for UConn. I think that's definitely the case when you get a MLB team that locks up a division. They're going to sit everybody out the next night. You know, they party it up. I don't think it's the same here because I think they have plenty of incentive to keep winning, try to ensure a bowl spot and possibly get a a better bowl game. Let's be honest, guys. Not all bowl games are created equal, uh, you know, as far as money brought in for the school or excitement level uh, for the players as well. So I think there's plenty of reasons for them to keep playing hard. Uh, These two teams are both in the bottom five in the country in pace of play. Um, Army running on 85% of plays, UConn running on a really high 67% of plays as well. It's hard to not at least consider an under uh, when you hear the tempo and the the amount that both teams are going to run. A lot of moving clock in this game. Um, Army's 118th in rushing grade, uh, rushing defense grade at PFF, 129th in rushing play success rate allowed. UConn's kind of sneaky good at running the football, especially here of late. Um, you know, like Gary said, they're deep in the backfield. Their offensive line's been far better than I expected, especially in run blocking. Um, uh, there's a really unique angle that backs this one, a bit different than the one that I've talked about in the past. So this is road dogs of seven points or more with a total of 45 and a half or lower. That road dog is 402 and 268 against the spread, exactly 60%. And that dates back to 2006. So that's a really good angle. Uh, backing UConn here on this one. I, I think Army has been a bit disappointing to me. I don't think they're a team that I like to bet uh, to win by margin to begin with, but that defense scares me. Uh, Army can stop the triple option attacks that they see every single day, but this is not the same type of running game that that they see every single day. So pizza money for me here on the Huskies. Uh, I think uh, UConn plus as many points is a, a pretty good look. I like it. Parker, let's move over to you. Uh, as Kyle mentioned, you know, the Army offense, uh, better the last five weeks. Uh, defense, not so much. Uh, the offense is number 16 in PPA per drive at number nine in points per scoring opportunity. UConn's defense, by the way, number 25. per scoring opportunity allowed. So, so that stood out to me because I had this game circled, Gary, of, of UConn and, and the, the way they've been against the spread this season. One of the teams that's most outperforming their kind of spread expectations. Um, I am a little bit worried because their last three games have all that have been wins have all been at home. Um, and so that that kind of um, home away split is something to, to look at. I mean, um, the 
the fundamentals I think are there for UConn, um, and I want to believe in them, but I am worried about them traveling um, on the road. And I do think when your opponent adjusts, you know, some of the basic stats, this um, Army offense is, is 23rd in the Power Five. UConn's offense is 59th. Uh, of course, a lot of that's going to come from rushing, and so the run game is going to matter a lot. I think a slow pace really favors Army. Um, and while UConn is good at points per quality possession allowed, they're very bad at quality possessions allowed. 61.7% of opponent drives have ended in a quality possession. Army's 42nd at generating quality possessions. So I think the Army's going to create some opportunities here um, and really test the run defense for UConn, which has been the better unit. Of course, they're 13th on EPA per rush, uh, unadjusted, 71st in EPA per pass. So there's a big split. So obviously, you know, teams are maybe not challenging that rush defense as much uh, because they, they're able to exploit the pass defense. But I think the Army being rush heavy early on um, should really benefit them. So I'm, I'm a little bit scared off this one. I do think that 10 is, is too much, but I'm wary of, of UConn on the road. This might just be pizza money for me on UConn because the number says to bet it, but I'm worried about the spot on the road. I could certainly understand that, uh, but I'm going to go with it. I'm going to take UConn. I like the fight in Jim Morris. I like what they're doing. They seem very, very motivated. This Army team, uh, they've just been disappointing this year. I, I believe 3-6 and six right now is the record. Uh, just not, not fantastic at all. Not what we are used to seeing from Jeff Munkin's bunch. And that defense uh, for Army is the biggest disadvantage that I'm seeing currently. I, I think UConn will be able to move the football. I think they're going to move it in a bunch of different ways, mostly on the ground, some with the quarterback there. I like Zion Turner, what he's doing. Uh, give me UConn, plus the 10 here. I uh, I already bet it at 10.5. I still like it at 10. Just seems like too many points with such a low total. Uh, I think the pace of play is certainly going to play into this one. I, I think this should be a touchdown either way, maybe. Uh, my number is actually around 4.5 on it. So I, I will ride with UConn to cover the 10 here. All right, moving along. We are moving to the Big 12. And Parker, I know you're excited to talk about this one, my friend. <laughs> We've got TCU headed to Baylor. McLean Stadium in Waco should be excited about this one. Of course, last week got absolutely blasted by Kansas State 31-3. to But hey, might have been a look-ahead spot. Who knows? Baylor, uh, let's see. Oh, Baylor, three-point underdog. Total of 57.5 here. Latest numbers at BetUS. This one's interesting. It is the big noon kick on Fox. TCU proving week after week after week that, hey, they can win in a number of different ways. Uh, all they do is actually win. And that's what they just try and do, I think, uh, here in and here out. TCU opened at minus two. It's now up to three. Uh, the total was at 56.5. It's up to 57.5. Uh, weird game. For TCU last week. Uh, by the way, TCU won this matchup last year when Baylor was certainly the higher-rated team, higher-ranked team. Uh, they won 30-28 to with, I believe, Chandler Morris at quarterback. Uh, so a whole different type of thing. TCU is 6-1 and one straight up and 5-2 and two against the spread in their last seven against Baylor in uh, what is a, a pretty fun rivalry in the Big 12, I will say. Kyle, let's, uh, let's start with you on this. TCU 4-0-1 against the spread on the road. But Baylor uh, has proven... I like to be really good coming off of a spread loss, 21-4-2 against the spread uh, after a spread loss. I mean, they just they they seem to bounce back better than almost anybody in the country. Uh, what are you seeing in this one? I mean, TCU is now on their ninth straight uh, without a bye. Do you do you see any advantage for either team here? 
I mean, at first, I want to say what a fantastic performance in a defensive scheme by TCU last week. I, I, I could have never imagined that they would shut down Texas that way. I didn't bet on that game, but if if you'd have told me that that was going to be the final score, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, making Quinn Ewers in that offense look that bad, Gillespie's earned every bit of his money, certainly. He's done a great job. The defensive scheme really bothered Texas a lot. TCU's now 8-1-1 one, and one against the spread, so if you've been betting on TCU throughout the course of the season, you're doing really well right now. Baylor's off a really bad performance. Uh, Blake Shapin looked really bad against Kansas State. I think Kansas State's pretty good. Um, honestly, TCU-Kansas State rematch would be quite a bit of fun. Um, I, I really don't trust uh, Blake Shapin very much. He's very inconsistent. I think TCU secondary has really stepped up a lot here in the last few weeks. Uh, they're the strength of the defense, at least of late, it seems. Uh, they can be beaten on the ground at times. Does Baylor really have the offense that's just going to line it up and run it down your throat? I, I don't think they can have that much success doing that. TCU certainly has the best unit on the field in their offense, which is very balanced. Um, I, guys, I don't even know for sure that Baylor's defense is better than TCU's defense now. I mean, because earlier in the year, people would have said Baylor's defense, you know, the better defense. I don't know if they're even the better defense here. And conference-only numbers doesn't look like they are. Uh, I have to lean TCU at three or less. I know Baylor's bounced back really well here in the past. Somebody in the chat asked my total. I had 58 on this one, so I'm right at it. I really don't have a lean on the total. Um, I have to lean TCU. I mean, until they uh, prove me wrong at some point, you know, they've consistently come up with a good effort every single game. I know there's more pressure on them at this point, and I, I have a feeling Parker's going to be pretty uh, nervous as he watches these last couple weeks uh, of TCU football because they've gotten to the point now that it's getting really serious. But uh, TCU at three or less, I have to lean their way. The the game against Texas last week it kind of kind of hurt TCU's overall numbers, especially over the last five weeks. Uh, but I don't know that Baylor is set up with the same kind of talent, obviously, that Texas has on defense. Um, their defense the past five weeks, the Bears is number seventy five PPA per drive. Uh, they're going to have to find ways to score here, and they've shown that they're capable of doing that. Number twenty three in passing success rate over the last five weeks, number thirty four in rushing success rate. Uh, the question, I think, for TCU is, can they make Blake Shapin uncomfortable? Parker, uh, give me give me some answers here, because I am i haven't played this one, but, man, my number says it should be around five and a half, and, and I think it probably should be more than that, because I think TCU is just a significantly better team, uh, but it is, as I said, ninth straight game with no bye. I mean, this it gets rough towards the end of the season, right? Yeah, that, that, that spot and the rivalry um, reality, the fact that TCU ruined Baylor's playoff shot last year, um, is certainly something to keep in check here. Um, one way I'm thinking about this is just, I mean, Baylor's defense has just not been very good, uh, which is surprising under Aranda, but not surprising when you realize they lost a bunch of guys um, in the back end, and that's what happens to 95% of college football teams is you lose um, – good players and then you have good guys replace them but you have to build them up over a couple years that's the state that Baylor's in right now is they're building these guys up I have their defense at 50th out of the 65 power five teams in opponent adjusted EPA per play compared to Texas is 23rd so Texas is a much more dominant defense um, and, and a much deeper defense than Baylor I certainly think Baylor's defensive line will be troublesome for for TCU but um, 
you know, their pass defense overall is is 57th in EPA per play, 68th in the FBS uh, against the rush. So TCU, a team that likes to rush when it's there and then take advantage of you when you go to defend it, should be able to exploit that. As for the offense on Baylor, it's it's okay. It's 23rd out of the Power 5 uh, teams. And when Blake Shapin is accurate, when the players are catching his passes, it can function pretty well. Um, they have 20 drops on the season for Blake Shapin. Um, that's just, that's a lot. And a lot of those are in really, really important spots. You think about five drops in the Oklahoma state game, a game that they looking in the rearview mirror absolutely should have one. Um, and against Kansas state last week, they just kind of got bodied and, um, couldn't really do anything with it. And, and the offense was, there was too much pressure on the offense. So avoiding a negative game script is going to be really important for Baylor to keep this close. Um, my numbers have this at about one and a half for TCU. Um, and I think that, uh, the, the only issue I have with them uh, the numbers that uh, is that Baylor's offense is getting propped up a little bit by running a lot over a bad Oklahoma defense and still only closely winning that game. I don't think I'm penalizing them enough. And so I would be inclined to lean towards TCU um, and inclined to lean towards an over with both of these defenses here. We'll see who tries to establish the run, who tries to get the, tr- uh, the, the quick score. And of course, in this game, you know, there's going to be trick play, nonsense, special teams, something um, that's going to really decide it uh, overall. So Baylor has a pretty decent home field advantage. Last week just kind of got away from them and they folded pretty quickly. So don't be fooled by that big of a margin. Um, but TCU uh, on on the numbers, I would I would lean towards TCU here. Although um, it makes me wary. One is a fan. Two them on the road. Three them their ninth straight game without a bye. And uh, and four just against the Baylor team that 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 would really really stand to, be, to gain from a win here. Most certainly. They they would like nothing more than to try and ruin TCU's playoff chances. Uh, it, it's going to be a fun one, a fun one. I mean, a field goal spread here looks like it's going to be entertaining for sure. All right, so no official play on that. Uh, leans, you know, would probably be TCU. I know mine is TCU. Uh, Kyle, I believe, said he, he would lean TCU here. Um, Parker going to stay away from this altogether. I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame him at all. All right, let's uh, let's remind everybody. Of course, we do have the BetUS Football Show podcast. If you can't join us live, you can always grab the podcast. And as I said, it is the BetUS Football Show on Apple, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast app is. Make sure you subscribe there and, of course, leave a nice five-star review. That certainly, certainly helps us out. Make sure and jump in the chat. I see quite a few people in here already. Of course, Julius, Arbone, Joe, Jason, Trent, etc. You guys are fantastic uh, for being here with us every single Tuesday and Wednesday. Look, the community is the best part of this show. You guys are talking about other games. You're talking about Kyle being the over-under king, which I totally understand. He has been killing it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love the chat. I love this. It's Scott jumping in already with a question. I mean, just jump in, put in your Q&A there. If you want to be part of that chat, you have to be subscribed to the channel. That's the biggest thing. Subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, of course, and make sure that you click that like button. We're not even up to 100 likes yet. What are we talking about? Y'all hit that thumbs up button. Do us a favor. Uh, Don't forget about tomorrow's show. Of course, we'll be right back here at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday for part two. That is the late slate. All right, let's dive into some more games. Let's move over to an ACC versus independent but soon-to-be Conference USA game. Virginia Tech heads to Liberty. And Liberty, of course, coming off of that loss against UConn last week. 12 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus here. Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia. Liberty is a 10 point favorite over Virginia Tech. That's the kind of year it's been for the Hokies. The total sits at 47 on this one. Of course, latest numbers at BetUS. 
Liberty won the last matchup between these two in Lane Stadium in 2020, 38 to 35. And the coach back then was Justin Fuente. So far, it is not going well for the new guy. I will say that Liberty is 11 and four against the spread at home, four and one against the spread against ACC teams. Virginia Tech, not so good. 2-12 and against the spread in their last 14 non-conference games. Of course, I believe a lot of people remember the loss to Old Dominion in Game 1 of the season. They are 3-9 and against the spread in their last 12 on the road against winning teams. Parker, let's start with you on this one. Virginia Tech has lost seven straight games. The offense is horrific. Number 102 in offensive PPA per drive. They are number 114 in offensive success rate. Uh, number 121 in scoring opportunities per game. Number 123 in points per scoring opportunity. The defense, I guess, like the bright spot is maybe they're number 29 in PPA per rush over the last like five weeks. But what what can we see for Virginia Tech here? At Liberty, I feel like we've talked about them a few times already this year, but Virginia Tech is just yeesh. What, what do you see here? Yeah, so the, the thing that one stands out, uh, Liberty in a, in a letdown spot uh, last week against UConn after after Arkansas, that's understandable. They had uh, a short field touchdown that they gave uh, UConn, a fumble return touchdown that they gave UConn, and just kind of hard to overcome some of those things. Too little, too late for them to to, to pull out the um, and win there. I'll gain, so, oh, go I'll gain them by like uh, one, yep. 160. Yeah, I mean, just absurd. <laughs> Yeah, and and gave away you know two two turnovers didn't really do anything with the two turnovers they were given so understandable um, annoying for them but also they've been hurt and they just beat Arkansas so let down spot I think they'll right the ship this week um, Virginia Tech's just bad man they're just not they just don't have a direction right now there's there's a lot of work to do there it was um, a team under Fuente that was barely skating by hoping to just hit on talent and saying hey we're just going to be here and if something works out that's great. And uh, that's not a good position for, for your roster to be in. So uh, a little bit of a mess there. Really, really bad on offense. 59th in EPA per play. Um, on offense, 40th overall in uh, in defense there. Liberty's defense, on the other hand, has been legitimately pretty good. Uh, fifth among G5 teams in EPA per play. Their offense is 22nd. Um, I really like the balance there. Uh, Liberty is a team that runs a lot, but teams pass a lot against them. And uh, Liberty's 25th in EPA per pass allowed, 11th in EPA per rush allowed. And one stat that I think is going to stand out more than the others, uh, Liberty is allowing a quality possession on just 41.7% of opponent drives. That's 19th best in the nation. So even as they are struggling a little bit with points per quality possession, that's 3.88, that's 51st in the nation, um, they're really not allowing those quality possessions off uh, often. Um, and again, on defense, really balanced on early downs and late downs, third and early downs, EPA, eighth and third and fourth down success. So it's not like Liberty, like a lot of, um, lower level teams that are, that are, you know, scrappy. It's not like they're, Hey, just good at this one thing. And it's kind of a gimmick. They're legitimately good. Like they legitimately went toe to toe with an sec roster and, and won and played the game they wanted to play. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be ever able to impose their will on this Virginia tech offense, which has just been beyond bad this season um and and on offense i think they can run the ball well enough against the virginia tech defense that's averaging 0.096 epa per play uh in rushes that's 110th worst in the nation uh allowing 0.014 epa per play on early downs that's 76th in the nation i think liberty's gonna have a long leash on offense get ahead of the chains, be able to score. And then uh, Virginia Tech on, on offense is really going to struggle to move the ball against this defense. 
I I agree with you on this. Uh, that Liberty defense uh, last five weeks has been absolutely outstanding. Number thirteen PPA per rush, number thirty nine PPA per pass. The uh, the defensive coordinators. There's two of them, of course. Uh, of course, co defensive coordinators. Josh Aldridge, who came from Harding Academy, which is lower level football, and Jack Curtis, who has been coaching since you know the mid '80s. Uh, I think he was in Tulane from 2016 through like 2020. So. Wanted to give those guys a, a bit of a shout out because you know it's not Hugh Freeze that's running that side of the ball. These guys have figured out exactly what they want to do with this. Kyle, we'll move over to you here. Uh, we talked about Virginia Tech's offense just being awful and Liberty, you know, their defense being uh, really, really good. A lot of injuries kind of all over the place. Uh, Liberty was down like four linebackers last week due to a targeting, and they've got a couple of guys that are dinged up. Uh, the running back, Dede Hunter, of course, out for the year. Uh, the other running back out for. I don't even know what he was out for last week, to be completely honest, and I haven't seen any update uh, on him this week. The fundamentals, you know, turnover margin, Liberty number 55, Virginia Tech number 118. Uh, penalties per game, Virginia Tech is number 118, and Liberty number 69. I mean, this is this is a mismatch. Well, what do you see here? Yeah, I think we have to excuse Liberty losing last week, as, as what Parker said. It was a really bad spot for them. And we have to remember that Liberty beat Arkansas when KJ Jefferson was playing. It wasn't some, you know, Arkansas beat up team that just kind of backed into a loss. I think Liberty's a really good team. Now they come home, they play against the quote unquote bigger brother school in state, right? I mean, these spots, uh, I'm always liking the the smaller name team because usually they have more to be motivated for. For Virginia Tech, this isn't their big game. This is not the biggest game that they circle on the schedule. For Liberty, this is a big game. You know, this is the type of spot where you could uh, try to get some recruits that that might have gone somewhere else, uh, beat the bigger brand name team that's way down this year. For Virginia Tech, I, I don't see a lot of motivation for this game. I mean, they're already out of everything this year. Um, I, I don't think they are going to be extremely amped up for a game like this where Liberty has plenty of reasons to be excited here. I think um, it also goes under the radar how good of a coach uh, Hugh Freeze has been at covering the spread. I mean, 72 and 46 against the spread, 61.1%. So if you're just betting Hugh Freeze, you're making a lot of money. Um, Liberty's defense, like Parker said, is just legitimately a very good defense. They're 24th in yards per play allowed, 8th in success rate allowed. Uh, I think they're very underrated. They have 34 sacks this year. Virginia Tech has allowed 27 sacks. Um at the beginning of the year, we talked about Virginia Tech some, and I think all of us were in agreement that Grant Wells was not exactly the answer here. You know, he wasn't really that good at Marshall. He comes over here, it's not it's not been a good fit. You know, to be fair to him, he doesn't exactly have a lot of talent around him or a good line in front of him. But Virginia Tech has 12 plays of 30 yards or more all season. Uh, just a terrible offense with no explosiveness. I think this is a terrific spot for Liberty. Hate that this one's moved up a point here in the last day. So if it finishes 10, it's going to be a bummer. But uh, Liberty minus 10, I think, is a good look in a spot where I think Liberty would love to uh, to blast uh, Virginia Tech in a spot like this. And Virginia Tech would have some tendencies to me to uh, kind of lay down if they get behind here early. So I do like this spot, and I'm going to take Liberty here. I can roll with it. I can roll with it. We've got two official plays on this one, Parker and Kyle both going to roll Liberty to cover the 10 here, and I can certainly understand it. Yeah, Virginia Tech, uh, Brent Pry, of course, hired in his buddy from the Wisconsin staff to run something similar to what Wisconsin does on offense, uh, and they do not have the roster for it at all, at all. So, yeah, can't can't blame Grant Wells too much. Uh, just not a ton of talent there, but 
Yeah, they're, maybe they're on the up and up. We'll see. We'll see uh, how long they get to do it. Uh, big mismatch in this one, by the way. Virginia Tech's offense, number 110 in standard down success. And Liberty's defense, number 10. So Virginia Tech going to be behind the eight ball basically all day. All day. All right, we're moving on to the ACC. This is a fun matchup in Acrisure Stadium, which is still Heinz Field to me. Duke heads to Pittsburgh. Pitt, a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite. Total sits at 52-and-a-half on this one. Uh, it's 12 p.m. Eastern time on the ACC Network. Pitt la- uh, won last year 54-29. to 29. But I will tell you that Duke has turned around games where they lost by four or five touchdowns last year, and they have turned it around to where they are now winning by two, three, four touchdowns in some of these spots in ACC games. It, the job that Mike Elko has done with this Blue Devils team has been absolutely awesome. They are, they are a really, really good football team. Pitt, 6-0 and straight up and against the spread in their last six against Duke. Duke is 2-11 and against the spread on the road in their last 13. Pitt is 1-5 and against the spread after a straight-up win, which they did get last week. Um, look, Duke has won three straight games. They are 7-3 and on the season. And you guys know that I have talked about Riley Leonard and how much I really enjoy watching him play. He's got 2,000-plus yards passing. He's got 600-plus yards rushing. Uh, the last five weeks, they are number 10 in points per scoring opportunity, number three in passing explosiveness, number six in rushing explosiveness, and that is a mismatch against Pitt. Pitt's defense, number 105 in rushing explosiveness allowed. Kyle, let's start with you. Pitt has been weird, but it seems like they have kind of settled into an identity. They they like to run. I mean, this is obviously a Pat Narduzzi thing, and they play defense. Uh, what, what do you see between these two? Yeah, I think it's kind of hard for me to figure out Pitt's defense because Pitt's defense in some of these games has given up a lot to teams. And we just talked about Virginia Tech. They give up 29 points to Virginia Tech, which is a bad look. 26 to Georgia Tech. They've been really good of late. Um, I think Pitt's defense is good, but they're not consistently really good. Uh, These two teams are 114th and 113th in tempo. So two slow-paced teams, 20 degrees of kickoff in this game, which is Interesting. I don't know that it changes the handicap of anything here, but really cold in the Midwest and in the eastern United States this weekend. So uh, see if you can find any teams that you think that would be a disadvantage to. And certainly there's some games with wind and even snow. So uh, keep an eye on that as you go forward. Uh, Duke's road performances concerned me a little bit. They were outgained by Northwestern, a bad Northwestern team. They lost to Georgia Tech, a tight game against Boston College. I know Boston College pulled off the upset last week, but they're certainly not a good team. Pitt is a bigger favorite uh, with Narduzzi, also not something I'm interested in. So it's tough for me to take a side here because I don't know that I trust Duke enough to really want to bet them against a defense that should be able to slow them down. I know uh, Gary has been driving the the hype train for Riley Leonard this year, and he's been right. I mean, Riley Leonard's been really good. Um, I lean to the under in this game. I kind of think with both teams being fairly conservative and both teams playing at a slow pace, if I had to bet something here, I'd bet the under. I really don't have anything on the side here. I noticed when you mentioned Duke road games that you did not bring up the Miami game. Hmm. Well, I mean, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Miami. I mean, how, how good is that? You know, I know (laughs) a lot of that was what eight turnovers for Miami, but somebody had to force them, right? Sure. Like, yeah, I'm going to give it to Elko. I'm going to give it to Duke. Uh, Parker, this I'm looking at some of these numbers here. Pitt, number 23 rush rate. They run the ball 58% of the time over the past five weeks. They're number 55 in rushing success. Duke's defense is number 83. That's obviously a weakness here uh, for the Dukies there. Uh, Giveaways per game, Pitt is number 85. Duke is number four. 
Uh, penalties per game, Pitt number 111, Duke number 49. One of these teams is less likely to beat themselves. I, I look at you know what Pitt is doing on defense lately. Uh, I think that a good, balanced Duke team on offense can find a way to move the ball against this Pitt defense. Maybe not a ton, but I don't need a ton here. I need more than seven and a half. What, what do you see in this? Yeah, I'm a little more skeptical of that. I'll, I'll go one further and say not just Duke on the road, but also Duke. Their, their, their three-game win streak right here comes against Virginia Tech, Boston College, and Miami. Like, it's not – I mean, you you can opponent adjust stats, and I have, but also you just got to think about, like, the context in which they played all those games. I have Duke at 24th in the Power Five in offensive rank. Very, very good. 45th in defense. Um, Pittsburgh's 42nd on offense, but they're 14th on defense. I think Duke is going to have a lot harder time moving the ball against Pitt, especially because Duke is rushing a lot, 2.4% more than the average team. Um, they're third in EPA per rush, but they're only 40, uh, excuse me, 27th in success rate. So they've gotten some explosive runs that have really kind of fueled their offense. Pitt doesn't really allow that on, on defense. They're ninth in defensive success rate rushing and 24th in EPA per rush. So I don't know if Duke's going to be able to rely on kind of those chunk rushes to bail them out, for instance. And I think that, um, if there's kind of a ceiling on their explosiveness, their third down troubles on offense are going to be much more problematic against a pit team. That's 11th and third and fourth down success, allowing only 32.1% conversion. That's comparing uh, to Duke's, 41.5% conversion, which is 66 in the nation. So that's kind of a strength on strength there, both very quality units. Pitt's defense, I think, is much better than that offense, uh, especially when you factor in how much they're going to run against Pitt and what Pitt's going to know uh, about the fronts they can present, knowing that there's going to be a lot of rushing here. Um, on the other side, I don't love Pitt's offense by any stretch of the imagination, but Duke's defense is so imbalanced. They're 109th in EPA per pass, 12th in EPA per rush. Again, big split. We think selection. I think the rush defense could really, really take a beating here, especially if this game slows down. Um, and so I, 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 my number has this uh, Duke just covering, but I think Duke on the road, I think the spot here, I, 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 I'm staying away from this one because I think that Pitt's defense is going to be able to stifle Duke's offense. And when that happens, I just don't know that I can trust Duke's defense to keep them in the game. I am going to disagree with you. I am going to ride with the Dukies on this one. I like what Elko's doing here. I believe that he's going to have a plan. And there is something to be said for a team playing with confidence. I like the Blue Devils here. I'm going to take them plus the seven and a half. Uh, yes, I understand it's on the road. But as we've talked about, Pitt, not exactly the most consistent team. And this defense does go up and down. So I, I look for maybe some turnovers that might go Duke's way. I look for Duke to find a way to move the football, whether whether it be running or passing, they will find a way to at least scheme something open. Uh, because I like what Johns is doing, the offensive coordinator there. I I, I like this. I like. I think they got a chance to win the game. I think seven and a half is too much. My line on this was closer to about a field goal. Yeah, give me the Dukies plus seven and a half. I'm gonna ride with it. I'm riding with the Mike Elkos. <laughs> All right, we'll move on from there. Let's move to the next game. We're moving to the Sun Belt. Now this is a fun one. 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, UL Monroe heads to Troy, Alabama, Veterans Memorial Stadium there. Troy is a 15.5-point home favorite. The total sits at 48. Louisiana Monroe won this game last year 29-16, to and Troy was a three-touchdown favorite in that ballgame. Louisiana Monroe is 5-2 and two straight up in their last seven against Troy. They are 4-3 and three against the spread since 2010. That is... 
mind-blowing to me when I look at these two teams. Uh, but you don't have to look that far back to remember that Louisiana Monroe was not a bad football team not that long ago. Uh, Parker, we're going to start with you on this. Of course, uh, Louisiana Monroe, 3-7 and seven straight up, 7-3 and three against the spread as a 10-plus point dog. They did it just last week. They were a 13.5-point underdog at Georgia State, won the game outright. Uh, this team has done it multiple times. As I said, they beat Troy last year. Uh, this Jalen Rogers is doing some things with this Louisiana Monroe offense. Number 46 PPA per pass on offense the last five weeks. Uh, the defense is bad, but let's not go crazy. Troy's offense is, is number 89 in PPA per drive over the last five weeks. It's not like the offense is super explosive for John Summerall and Bunch. That Troy defense, though, is absolutely legit. What, what do you see in this matchup? One, I need to point out that um, I don't know if you saw, Gary, the uh, graphic that ULM tweeted about uh, the Bowden family reaching 650 wins, but it's hilarious and remind me to send it to you and all of you should go look at it um, because they did uh, they did Tommy very bad. But Terry Bowden hit 183 <laughs> wins at, at uh, ULM. That's very fun. Um, or overall, I guess, in his career. Um, this is one of those games that like, I'd be tempted to call like a sickos game, but is actually going to be kind of fun. And so I'm interested to see how these teams will match up. I think that Troy is um, really, really good on defense this year. I think this defense is is uh, going to go up against the strength of, of Louisiana Monroe. Louisiana Monroe, 60th in offensive EPA per play, unadjusted. Troy, 43rd. Um, so that'll be a best-on-best best scenario. Uh, ULM's actually very balanced, which I, I'm interested to see because Troy has been much better against the pass than the run. They're 37th in EPA per pass, 77th in EPA per rush. And ULM on the flip side, 48th in EPA per pass, 73rd in EPA per rush. So kind of a nice kind of puzzle pieces here. Um, one stat to circle if you're if you're worried about Troy with this big of a spread here. Um, they're 111th on third and fourth down success allowed. Louisiana Monroe's 35th, and so that could match up really well for them to take advantage and extend drives and maybe keep this slow enough uh, and keep the total low enough for this game to um, pan out in 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 Louisiana Monroe's favor. Um, on the other hand, um, Troy really has not been great rushing the ball. Uh, Gary, I think you just said that they're they're 50 or sorry, 45th in rush rate over expected. But if you look at their passing, um, they're 83rd in offensive success rate on passing, 64th in EPA per pass. So if if ULM can just make a tackle here and there and say, hey, we're not going to give you the big explosive touchdown. We're going to make you successfully string together plays. Troy's 100th in offensive success rate. I think that they get derailed pretty easily there. Um, I see no reason why ULM shouldn't, shouldn't, be within two scores here, maybe even single digits. Um, I don't love betting my money on ULM, but if I had to pick a side here, I would I would ride with them to cover this. That is the way that I am leaning on this one. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now because I didn't put it on my notes. Uh, that's the one thing about Troy is they they don't get margin on a lot of teams. They won over Army by one. They beat Louisiana Lafayette by six, South Alabama by four, Texas State by three. They did beat Southern Miss by 17, but uh, but that had to do with some turnovers, et cetera. Western Kentucky by seven, Marshall by nine, lost to App State by four. Yeah, this team does not get margin. And as we have talked about on this show multiple times, uh, LTLM, low total, low margin. Like, you're not going to get as much margin when the total is sitting at 48 on this. Kyle, uh, let's move over to you. I mean, the fundamentals on this one, uh, giveaways per game, Troy's number 70, Louisiana Monroe's number 70. Penalties per game, that's where Troy might have an edge, number 21 against ULM, number 127. Uh, no, excuse me, 120, number 27. I read my stupid note wrong. 21 and 27, so not much of an advantage there. 
both of them play slow, number 96 and number 105 in plays per game on offense. Uh, teams have moved the ball on Troy while that defense is really good and their numbers, you know, number 34 PPA per pass. Uh, the numbers for the pass defense are good. Passing is really how they've moved the ball. And with Chandler Rogers here, I I lean this way. Like, I, I'll go on and make it official for me. I'm going to take Troy, or excuse me, uh, Louisiana Monroe plus the 15 and a half here uh, because I don't trust Troy to get the margin. But Kyle, what, what do you see with this one? Dang, Gary kind of took my first first talking point was the <laughs> fact that six of Troy's seven wins against FBS teams have been by nine points or less. So you're you're counting on, if you bet Troy, you're counting on them to do something that they haven't done except for against Southern Miss. And that was really Southern Miss could get out of their own way. Um Troy's definitely the better team. Nobody's going to say that uh, they're not. The defensive line gets in the backfield quite a bit. I think they probably will give uh, ULM's offensive line some trouble here in this one. But they say the point spread's the great equalizer. And 14 and a half, 15 and a half points. You're over uh, two touchdowns with the total in the 40s. Uh, you guys know how I feel about that. How about some terrible fumble luck for UL Monroe? They've forced 13 fumbles. They've recovered two of them. We know that this is not a basketball. It doesn't bounce nicely. But the fact that you uh, could force 13 fumbles and only get two of them, you've had some pretty bad luck on defense. So uh, Troy's bad offense, really good defense. We know that. Troy, 124th in yards per carry on the season, 2.94. Although Troy has been trying to run the ball a lot. I don't know if that's just because they've been in the lead and trying to salt away the game at the end. But 56% of their plays in conference have been running plays. I'm kind of surprised they're running it that much when they're not having success. ULM's defense is 111th in pass play success rate allowed. So we'll see if Troy does throw it a little bit more here in this game. Troy, uh, 15 touchdowns and 34 trips into the red zone. So they're not efficient when they do get into the red zone, settle for a lot of field goals, or even turn the ball over. Um, Monroe, kind of sneaky competitive team. I mean, they're plus 0.17 yards per play margin in the Sun Belt. A well-coached team, um, Monroe plus the points would definitely be my lean here. There's quite a few points. I Yeah, I'm going to make it official for myself. Louisiana Monroe plus the 15 and a half here. It, Kyle, I mean, you you hit on all of it. Uh, low, you know, low number of plays. Uh, Troy doesn't get margin on anybody. Like, yeah, uh, while this game is important for Troy for the Sun Belt, uh, which you and I still holding that ticket, hoping either South Alabama loses or Troy just wins out. Uh, yeah, I, I like Troy to win. I like Louisiana Monroe to keep this thing close. I, I like Raphael's comment on here. He said, my grandma can score on ULM. <laughs> that is that is fantastic. <laughs> and it's not wrong. It's not wrong, by the way. Uh, but I, I just don't know that Troy can score on many people's grandmas. So, yeah. Uh, don't take that out of context. Let's just let's get let's get serious here. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, reminders: like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. Of course, every Tuesday and Wednesday we are live right here at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure and jump into the chat for Q and A. We got a couple more games we're going to hit. Don't forget about tomorrow's show. Don't forget about the podcast and of course the scavenger hunt. Click the link in the description for that. Uh, we're we're going to give you a little more information once we get into Q and A for that one. All right, moving right along. Uh, we need some more likes, by the way. Y'all like this video. <laughs> Click that thumbs up. Georgia heads to Kentucky, and I'll tell you, preseason looked like this one might be for the SEC East, and Kentucky has not held up their end of the bargain. 
the Bulldogs are 22 and a half point road favorites here. The total sits at 49 and a half. Latest numbers at BetUS. This one at Kroger Field in Lexington. It's the 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time CBS game. <sighs> and, guys, I, so Georgia, this was a fun one last year, but it was a little bit earlier in the year. It was 30-13 to 13 Georgia. Kentucky scored late to get within that 17-and-a-half. Now the line is five points bigger than it was last year. Kentucky just lost to Vanderbilt last week, and it was not a fluke. Like, there was, there was no turnover or anything like that that really led to it. Vanderbilt just outgained them and and really deserved to win the game more than Kentucky did. Uh, the last five weeks for Kentucky have been bad. Uh, Parker, we're going to start with you here. Number 120 in passing success rate on offense, number 72 in rushing success on offense, number 83 in standard down success. If they get behind the sticks against Georgia, that is nightmare fuel. Uh, just not what you want to see. Georgia, number 10 in passing down success rate allowed uh, the other side, I guess, is how motivated will Georgia be after wrapping up the SEC East last week? I still don't think that they like Kentucky, you know, comparing themselves to Georgia or thinking that they've even got a chance to be in the same hemisphere. So maybe that's the motivation. But I, Parker, I'm I'm curious your thoughts to begin with here. Yeah. So one, uh, just a general word to you know, just uh, teams can get hyped up in the off season between meaningful football being played and. Um, did we have a technical thing? The screen just flashed. That might have been me. Nope. I think we're I think... okay. I think we're back. I think we're good. Sorry. <laughs> um, just got me. You can see the adult ADHD just happening real time right there. Um, <laughs> no meaningful football happened between the time that people thought, eh, Kentucky's pretty okay and they're interesting to the time that people thought Kentucky's going to challenge for the SEC West or SEC East and they have a number one draft pick quarterback. Um, no football happened there. That's entirely hype. That 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 that, that is something to be mindful because you could probably cash in on um, – you know, taking taking unders and 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 that getting inflated with some of that information. Here's what I'm worried about. Um, Kentucky's trenches are terrible. Um, they have a, a very fine running back in Chris Rodriguez who can uh, create yards after contact. The problem is that if you can create three yards of contact, if you're getting hit at the line, your offense is not moving anywhere, even if you're creating that contact. Um, they're, they're 108th in EPA per rush. Rodriguez was out, and I kept expecting, all right, Kentucky's going to get the running game back. They're going to get the running game back. And it turns out it wasn't the running back. It was the offensive line and the scheme they're trying to run. Georgia's sixth in EPA per rush. I think they'll just absolutely be able to manhandle them. And Gary, like you pointed out on standard and passing downs, early downs, Kentucky's 115th in EPA and they're uh, 37th on third and fourth down success. I do not imagine that they are going to get many favorable third and threes against Georgia. It is going to be Will Levis bail us out. I do not believe that they have the wide receiver talent they had last year, even to cash in on some of those bailouts. And I don't believe that systematically Kentucky is a fu fundamental foundational uh, solid football team. Um, I, I have Kentucky's defense at 27th in the power five, but 52nd on offense. I just don't know how they're going to move the ball against Georgia who does one seem to be a little bit petty as a team and kind of take pride in some off season stuff and, and avenging some narratives. And two, I think very much, it, it, you know, Kirby smart has them invested in is someone scoring against us is personally offensive. And uh, I think they're going to take that to Kentucky pretty hard here. The only reason I wouldn't pick Georgia outright is that this line is so big and the total I think is going to be really low. And we've seen that Georgia just turns it off, right? Georgia just says, we've won by enough. We're just going to not let them score anymore. We're going to be done. Can't really count on them to cover this big of a spread, even though I think they'll win convincingly. The post-game win probability in my mind will probably be right in line 
with this spread total here, but I don't believe that they'll win by that margin. I don't know that I can trust them on that just because uh, they turn it off so, so quickly. I, I tend to agree with you on that because, I mean, we've seen them do it time and time again. And again, motivation, uh, how much of their, or how much if, I cannot talk today. How much of it is there <laughs> for the dogs this week? Uh, Kyle, uh, we'll move over to you on this. You know, fundamentals, uh, you know, turnover margin, uh, surprisingly, Kentucky is number 80, Georgia number 87. Uh, penalties per game, that certainly skews towards Georgia. Kentucky is number 38, Georgia number 12. There is not a single stat really where I could find an advantage for Kentucky in this, um, other than maybe, you know, a surprising number here over the past five weeks, Georgia's offense is number 100 in stuff rate allowed. A little bit shocking, but regardless, uh, I don't think they're going to play Milton this week, the running back. I don't think they're going to play the wide receiver, A.D. Mitchell. You know, they'll have them healing up in time for the SEC championship game against LSU. But I look at this, I don't know if a spread is maybe the right way to go about this uh, or, you know, the total sitting at 49 and a half. It, team total for Kentucky, based on these numbers, would be somewhere around 13 and a half. I think an under uh, team total 13 and a half for Kentucky might be a play here, but I'm curious your thoughts on this. Yeah, that would be that would be a, a lean of mine, certainly. And my strongest lean in this game would be the under in general. Kentucky 9 and 1 to the under, Georgia 7 and 3 to the under. I don't know why we would expect a really high scoring game here. Um, the only way you expect a lot of points here is if you think Georgia runs up the score, which they really haven't done very many times in the past. And I think that's what Parker was alluding to, the fact that uh, Georgia is commonly very happy to just run out the clock at the end of the game. And also they've kind of played down to competition several times. Um, Vanderbilt's not quite as bad this year. You have to give them some credit, but Kentucky losing at home to them is a pretty inexcusable loss, certainly. Uh, they hadn't won a game, Vanderbilt hadn't won a game in, I believe, three years in the SEC. So uh, bad look for Kentucky. They're the slowest-paced team in the country also, uh, using exactly 32 seconds between plays on average. So Kentucky is is definitely going to try to stall. Uh, they'd like to be able to run the ball and keep, keep the ball away from uh, Georgia. But like Parker said, they really can't do that because their offensive line is so bad. They're 100th at PFF and rushing grade uh, and run, run blocking grade. So really... Uh, not really Levis's fault that he doesn't have time in the backfield. Also, not really Rodriguez's fault uh, that he can't run the ball here. Kentucky is minus 24 in sack margin. I mean, a uh, big, big problem. Levis's passing grade this year, 67.9 at PFF. Not a very good season for him. Um, I'm not very confident in Kentucky in general, so I don't want to bet Kentucky. Um, I also think it, it kind of stands out to me. Kentucky is negative half a yard and yards per play margin in the SEC. Georgia is plus two and a half yards per play margin. So a huge class difference here. Um, you know, I don't think the uh, Kentucky subpar running game is going to have much success in this one. So I agree with Gary. Um, I hate taking team totals that are that low because I'm always afraid that there's going to be a pick six or something. So I don't know if I'll bet that. I, I think I lean the, the game under in general. I don't want to bet a side here. I just think that uh, you know, you're just questioning whether Georgia wants to win by that much, and it's it's hard to know. Now you have certainly certainly got that right. Trying to play psychologist, uh, I, I guess it's part of handicapping, but man, it's a it's a rough part. It's a rough part. So no official plays on this one, but we did feel like we needed to hit it. Of course, with it being the the 2:30 CBS game, of course Central Time there. 
Um, so yeah, yeah, maybe a lean to the under 49 and a half. And, and I am still probably going to lean to the Kentucky team total under. If, if that thing hits 14, uh, I'll probably play that one. 13 and a half, a little, a little scary, uh, considering special teams and, and everything else. All right. We got one more game. Let's move ahead. Texas is a nine point favorite at Kansas. The total sits at 64 on this 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. And let's let's discuss this for a second. Kansas won last year 57 to 56 in overtime. But Kansas is now 7-2 against the spread in their last nine against Texas. Uh, Texas 2-5 against the spread on the road. Kansas 10-2-1 against the spread in the last 13 overall. And, of course, Texas last week was just flat embarrassed by TCU uh, 17 to 10. And now it, it doesn't sound like an embarrassing score, but if you watch that game we talked about earlier, uh, that was absolutely embarrassing for Texas in this one. Memorial Stadium in Lawrence, Kansas is going to be jumping for this one. I can't wait to see what that student section looks like. They are going to be absolutely fired up for this one. Uh, they, they were fired up about the win last year. Of course, everybody remembers the Applebee's deal. Uh, these players are, are fired up for this one. So, yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a fun, interesting game, and it's tough to figure out. You know, Kyle, we'll start with you on this. It's tough to figure out exactly what Texas's motivation is. Like, they still have a path to the Big 12 championship game, but also when you have a performance like they did on a huge national scale last week, that's I don't know how you really bounce back from that. We haven't seen Sark's teams really have to do that much, Kyle. This defense, you know, while it did look good last week, overall over the past five weeks, the number 79 in pass success allowed, number 85 in passing explosiveness allowed, number 97 in passing down success rate allowed. Kansas has a clear advantage if they have a quarterback, um, and we don't know exactly what's going on there. Jalen Daniels is practicing. It looks like he's close. Jason Bean right now is limited. He had a uh, midsection injury last week. This this is a fun one to think about. What what are your thoughts on this one, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, the uncertainty at quarterback makes me wonder what to do with this game, to be honest. Uh, Jalen Dandler said said to be really, really close, uh, being limited in practice. Um, I would hope we could see Daniels here in this game. I don't, I don't know if that'll be the case or not. I think Texas is such an inconsistent team. A lot of metrics really like Texas. Their stats look good. Um, they look excellent stat-wise a lot of times, but I think they're only a good team. They're inconsistent. Uh, they may be better than their 6-4 and four record, but not as good as some people uh, thought that they were either. So that's always, you know, is Texas back? That's always the question. And uh, to some degree, they're certainly improving, and I think the uh, program headed in the right direction in general. But not a great team. I think they're laying a pretty big number here, to be honest. You know, 33 degrees with 15 miles per hour wins for this game. Not a great day here. This is a pace war game. Texas 28th in tempo. Kansas 105th. You know, in this one, there's no way I could lay the points with Texas. I think you're you're asking a lot for a Texas team to win by double digits basically here uh, against Kansas. I think Kansas gets up for a game like this. Kansas has been sneaky. Uh, very, uh, very difficult team to beat this season compared to expectations. And I think Leipold's a great coach. Uh, you know, who has a coaching edge? Uh, I think it's a fair question. I mean, Leipold has been a really good coach for this Kansas team. A lot of people would like to have Lance Leipold, I'll say that. So um, I'm going to lean Kansas, but I, I think my stronger lean is probably the under. 
I feel like I've said I lean the under in a lot of these games, but uh, <laughs> it's just the way it's fallen here. But um, I honestly think the under is probably a pretty good look here. I think Texas's defensive improvements for the year have been impressive. Uh, Kansas, not really a good defense, but Texas is inconsistent at best on offense. So um, I think this is a pretty high number, which would make me lean two ways, Kansas and the under. I I could roll with that. I could I like Kansas here for sure. Um, but I am, you know, at 64, does Quinn Ewers, like, what do we have with Quinn Ewers, right? Uh, Parker, let's let's get you in here on this one. Uh, Kansas does have multiple losses that were not indicative of the actual game uh, that was played, so the score may be a bit misleading on some of those. But uh, what what is going on with Quinn Ewers? Why did B. John Robinson only run the ball 12 times last week? I mean, Sark did come out and say at his press conference that, uh, you know, they weren't getting any push against TCU's defense. Do they feel like they can get a push here? I would imagine we're going to see a lot more of Robinson in this one. Um, you know, with Kansas being number 110 in PPA per rush over the past uh, five weeks. I This is such a, a fun one to try and handicap because these two teams could absolutely explode for points or uh, we could have another game kind of like we had last week. And, and Parker, uh, you know how much I've enjoyed watching Lance Leipold coach. And I, I was looking up uh, the offensive coordinator, Andy Kotelnicki. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, they just stay scheming. They just stay scheming, and they did it last year on this coaching staff. I, is there anything to show that they couldn't do it again? They've done it against everybody this year. They just keep finding guys wide open to get the ball to. This looks like a fun game to try and handicap. What, what are you seeing it, Parker? Yeah, so, I, I mean, before I even talk about the stats, let me just paint you a picture. You hosted game day. You were projected to beat a top-five team. You come out and you score three offensive points in a very, very frustrating game, and then you've got to go to Kansas uh, the next weekend. I just think in terms of a spot, um, this this is a real big kind of letdown spot for Texas just because they were let down last week as well, and it's like, man— I don't know how how you necessarily get up for a game like Kansas kind of after that. So I think that's one one spot. Two, um, I, I don't think Quinn Ewers is a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. I think that Quinn Ewers is a raw and underdeveloped quarterback. I think it's probably not a good idea to take yourself out of football for a year and go get NIL money. And I think we're seeing some of those ramifications. I do get a little prickly when the announcers are like, well, he's very young. Like, yeah, he also didn't play football for the last year of his own choice. Like that's going to have ramifications on the field, you know? And so in terms of his development, I think we should see him improve. He is just, he's missing open guys. There are, there are open plays. Um, I think the Oklahoma state game was, was where we really start to see, Hey, when this offense relies on Quinn Ewers, if he's just not accurate, just doesn't have it that day, it falls apart pretty quickly. And that's very true. It does fall apart very quickly. Um, Kansas, of course, on defense is nowhere near what, even what TCU is, even as TCU's defense is a little worse. Um, than kind of your average Big 12 team. Um, Kansas, 97th in EPA per pass, 94th in EPA per rush. Texas is going to have guys open. Can they hit the guys that are open? They had three drops last week. Quinn Ewers only completed 46% of his passes, um, wasn't very accurate. And I think that ultimately what we're looking at is is just a shootout here between two defenses that aren't um, great. And I think Texas was able to really exploit TCU's single dimensionality on offense last week. TCU was going to try one thing and it really didn't work and they didn't have a lot of answers. The other, you know, on the flip side, uh, Kansas is going to do everything. Like you said, they, they, they stay scheming. They're going to be, um, 
poking and prodding. I, I wouldn't put it past Lance Leipold to have sat Jalen Daniels the last couple of weeks to make sure he was healthy for this game, um, knowing you know what we know about the injury and everything. So I, I if Daniels is back and reading between the tea leaves, I believe he is. Uh, I see a lot of value here. You look at Kansas's last couple of games, and um, I mean they they beat Oklahoma state like a drum, just a, an absolute zombie team. They, they lost, um, to Texas tech and to Baylor. Both of those games kind of, um, mitigating circumstances in terms of, you know, Kansas missed a field goal in, uh, two field goals in the Texas tech game in the Baylor game. They had two, two turnovers that kind of gave them, uh, gave Baylor a short field and artificially inflated that margin. If Kansas can play just a little more solid, and uh, Jalen Daniels is back. Avoid that catastrophic blow. I really think that there's no reason they shouldn't be able to um, be step for step with Texas here, uh, based on based on their run pass splits on offense and how good they are offensively. So I, I, I expect Texas to win, but I think nine points on the road here. You've got a letdown spot for Texas, uh, kind of a motivation, competing motivation spot here. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Kansas keep this close. And if you want to feel alive a little bit, sprinkle some on the money line because life is for living, you know? <laughs> That's a great way to put that. Uh, definitely, definitely sprinkle a little on the money line because this is one of those, like, how funny would this be if Kansas beats them two consecutive years? You think that the hot seat talk is is kind of crazy right now for Steve Sarkeesian? Whew. Get to six and five with another loss to Kansas, regardless of whether this Kansas team is good or not. Uh, that is a rough one. So official play on this is, of course, Parker going to ride Kansas plus nine on this. Maybe sprinkle a little on the money line. I, I could get down with this. Uh, good gracious. All right. Before we get into Q&A, gentlemen, let's go ahead and talk about this Thanksgiving Day scavenger hunt. Uh, we're going to run this promo right now. BetUS is offering two BetUS members turkey feast with all the trimmings. Here at BetUS, we're thankful to all our customers, new and old. And as such, we'd like to offer you a chance to win turkey feast via scavenger hunt that starts on Saturday, 12th November. So head on over to BetUS underscore official Twitter handle for more info on how to participate. All right. We'll start off Q&A. By discussing, of course, Tuesday night Maction. Bowling Green at Toledo. Uh, Toledo, a 17-point home favorite. The total sits at 50-and-a-half. Guys, uh, team totals on this. Toledo is 33-and-a-half, and and Bowling Green is 17 on this. Um, My number was closer to 14-and-a-half on this, but I still don't like it. Uh, Kyle, let's start with you here. Toledo has kind of been rolling a little bit lately. Uh, this team, of course, has wrapped up their side of the MAC. Uh, Bowling Green's defense, like I, I like what they're doing. They, I don't know what the record is. Are they are they already bowl eligible? Or are they getting close to it? Either either way, uh, I just this is a stay away for me. Like these matching games are normally a lot of fun to you know just put some pizza money on. But as far as official plays, like I, I can't I can't do anything on this. What do you see in this? Yeah, I mean, I, I I hate to sound like a you know kind of a buzzkill or something, but I, I think it's hard to bet a lot of money on these matching games. They're pretty weird games. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. If you want to bet some fun money on it, that's fine with me. But um, Toledo is much better than Bowling Green. This is a massive rivalry game. These two are not very far apart at all. Uh, these two don't like each other at all. I wouldn't want to lay 17 points, even though I think Toledo is much better than Bowling Green. I think I would lean the under in this game. Again, I'm leaning the under in every single game here, it sounds like. But <laughs> but I have to say, too, I have Toledo to win the MAC. 
And Gary, I keep thinking about how like Toledo is going to get into this MAC title game, and like Gary's words are going to come up, and it's going to be Toledo leading by ten points in the fourth quarter, and they blow it and lose right at the end. I just, <laughs> it's like a bad dream. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. Mark jumped in by the way. Said Kyle, a little birdie told me that Toledo's quarterback is out. Jump on plus seventeen. Uh, interesting thoughts there, Parker. You uh, you got a feel on the Rockets here. Um, yeah, one, one about, about Kyle saying you shouldn't bet a lot of money on the Mac games. I think this is also like people who pick games and, you know, like I have a model that projects every game. Sometimes people like won't pick these games cause they're so volatile. And I'm kind of like, you, you got to take your lumps on the Mac game. Like we're all just you know, we're all just screaming into the void <laughs> trying to project these and you got to take the losses there, you know, just like the rest <laughs> of us do. But, um, yeah, 17 points seems way too much, even if everyone's healthy, um, and, and, and stuff's on the, um, you know, the the all else equal um, in a Mac game with a lot. Again, there's going to be a lot of volatility on the weeknight here. Um, I have this closer to like 13 and a half. I certainly don't love putting money uh, and trusting Bowling Green to cover, but 17 is so much. And this Bowling Green defense has been competent. I think is a fair way to say it. They're on the verge of bowling. They're they're, they're uh, Bowling Green is on the verge of bowling, and um, I think that. <laughs> They are extremely uh, experienced for whatever that's worth. You know, sometimes returning production is bad because they're bad players. But this defense is 32nd and unadjusted opponent EPA per play, 14th against the rush. I think that they could be competent here. I'd, I'd, I'd lean towards Bowling Green covering, even though they got curb stomped by Kent State last week. I, I agree. Maybe a good buyback spot for, uh, for them. Uh, the other game tonight is Ohio at Ball State. Uh, from what I understand, might be some... Uh, not inclement weather, but definitely weather that could affect the uh, the ball game here. Uh, total is 57.5. Ohio is a 3.5-point favorite at Ball State. Uh, on this one, Kyle, we'll start with you again. Uh, you know I like Rourke. I like what Ohio is doing on offense, et cetera. But uh, if we're going to have like major wins and stuff like that, that may be part of the reason why this uh, number has gone from 4 down to 3.5. And, and, of course, the total has declined just a little bit here. Uh, you you got a feel on it. it this is another underplay. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think I want to bet the total here. I don't I don't trust Ohio's defense very much at all. A Ball State's defense has been quite a bit better here of late. And that's why they've been able to hang in these games. I think I would lean Ball State plus the points, thinking that Ohio's slightly better, but should they really be more than a three point favorite? And like you said, uh some chance of kind of rain, snow mix and a little bit of wind. Not significant that I see, but um I I would lean Ball State thinking this is kind of a toss up game. A money line on Ball State is plus 150. Uh, I have a future play on Ball State under five and a half. They're sitting at five wins. I could hedge right out of that thing. It would not be too bad. So I might I might roll that way, uh, especially with the weather. Uh, what's is it Carson Steele? Carson. Uh, Carson is that Steel. the running back? Yeah, Carson Steele. That's it. All right, Parker, uh, talk to me about this uh, this Thor looking human. I saw this at four yesterday and bet it. Uh, like honest to God, bet on a mat game, which I almost never do, but. Um, <laughs> I have this as 30 to 28. I think um, both of these defenses are terrible. And if Ball State, um, I, I, I've said this before, so this won't be funny, but it is kind of like the Emmett Smith offense where it's like hand the ball to Emmett, pitch the ball to Emmett, throw the ball to Emmett. They're doing that to Carson Steele. They're getting him the ball in space. Um, he's, you know, one of the most involved backs in or players in college football, just in terms of opportunity share. Um, and Ball State's defense has not been good. 55th in the group of five. But they're slightly better against the pass than the rush. They're 52nd EPA per pass, 88th in EPA per rush. Ohio can only pass the ball. They're terrible at rushing, 103rd in EPA per rush, 17th in EPA per pass. Nice kind of a max, uh, uh, um, 
mismatch there. If the weather puts any ceiling on Ohio's passing, that's only going to benefit Ball State. So I like Ball State with a couple points here. Um, it's a mat game, so pizza money, bet responsibly, all that. But I, I, I like this one for, for Ball State is how I'd lean. The winds at kickoff are around four miles an hour. The winds uh, about halftime going to be around eight to ten miles an hour. So, yeah, we'll see in this one. But, yeah, I, I do like – I kind of like, I kind of like Ball State at home here, but uh, yeah, this is a, I'll probably hedge out of this. I'll, I'll probably bet Ball State on the money line and uh, and just hedge right on out of that thing. All right, we got a lot of Q and A that we got to get to, and we've all got a little bit to do it. Uh, so let's go on and try and get as many of these as we possibly can. Uh, Jared Everly jumps in for Q and A thoughts on eh, the Toledo Bowling Green. Here's Ball State Ohio. Uh, James S. Oh, this is a fun one, Kyle. Uh, how big of a factor do you put into capping this time of year where teams either are playing for something or do not have anything to play for? Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, I think motivation is super important. I mean, that's kind of why I like uh, Liberty so much against Virginia Tech. I think that falls right into that. You know, Liberty should be highly motivated. Virginia Tech, really nothing to play for here. Uh, I do think that, though, you have to be careful when you say, you know, somebody's playing for a bowl berth or something because these teams that have to get into a bowl game – certainly factored in it's not like some secret that you know uh it's easy to just bet on those teams and bet against teams that aren't so yeah i factor it in but i don't think it's just a a good blind bet on something like that that's uh i I think that's incredibly well put incredibly well put because there's still going to be motivation on both sides uh whoever's on the opposing side would love nothing more than to ruin your chance to go to a bowl game so motivation plays both ways scotty 5775 jumps in georgia tech uh, can they cover 21 against North Carolina? Parker, what do you see in this one with the Tar Heels? Big total here, and Georgia Tech has shown um, some ability to be you know, somewhat coherent on the defensive side of the ball. They're, they're certainly better on defense than they are on offense. And I tell you, this North Carolina defense has this season been the cure for the common, um, common offense. So really big split there. Um, I think that if you're betting this, you're betting – on Georgia Tech's defense to not get boat raced by North Carolina, and that did not make me feel good. So I would be inclined to take the Tar Heels at home. Yeah, Zach Pyron, the uh, the quarterback, he is out for the rest of the year with a broken collarbone. So uh, you got to hope that Jeff Sims is back and looking good uh, because Zach Gibson uh, has not. Jeff Sims is out totally. Jeff Sims this morning. Oh, I think is I just saw breaking news. Uh, yeah, he um, he's gone. He's going to transfer. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you're leaning on Zach Gibson. Uh, what is that line up to now? Because that thing was already at 21. Uh, let's see. It's still sitting at 21. Okay. I might have to make a play here in a minute. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we, we might be discussing this one on the show tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see about the line. Um, okay, that's interesting. Uh, Sean Oakley jumps in. SMU Tulane over 65. Uh, Kyle, do you have a thought on this one? Yeah, I don't lean under in this game. I'll say that. Yeah, <laughs> SMU, SMU and under doesn't really make sense to me. Um, I lean to lane side, and I would lean the over. I think this uh, SMU team pushes pace so well that they probably get plenty of opportunities. Do I really think they can slow down Tulane? I think the Tulane running game has improved here of late, and Pratt's played pretty well. So, yeah, I, I can get with the over there. This is a, by the way, this is a weird sandwich spot for Tulane, right? Because you, you've got Tulane right here, which is somebody that you have to be focused on. 
Uh, and yet you had that big game against UCF last week. It didn't go your way. And you've got to play at Cincinnati next week, possibly for a berth in the title game. This is a rough one, right? I mean, it, it, is there? how do you even look at the motivation on this one as far as the handicap, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Tulane is in a difficult spot, but uh, Tulane still has plenty to play for. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think this is the perfect spot to fade a team uh, in a in a bad situation, I guess is the way I'd say it. And SMU uh, hasn't been terribly consistent. Their, their defense has not shown much. Um, I like the over better than anything. Yeah, I, I could certainly see. That. I think there's going to be a lot of points here. Uh, James S. jumps in Florida and Vanderbilt. Florida's given up 14. Uh, Parker, how you feel about the Gators right now? Uh, I like Vanderbilt in a, in, a, in a letdown spot. I think that they just did enough last week um, to take care of, of Kentucky here. Um, I, I don't like betting on Florida at this point, but I think that Vanderbilt is – not very good. I think last week was a lot more about Kentucky than about them for, um, I have this at like 11. The The problem for me is like, let's say that Florida and Vanderbilt's defenses are approximately both bad, uh, about the same Florida's offense is 34th compared to Vanderbilt's 65th and Florida is sixth in EPA per rush and they're rushing a lot. Vanderbilt's defense, 130th in EPA per pass, 58th in EPA per rush. I think they can be exploited. I think Florida will be able to score. And if Florida can avoid kind of the catastrophic shoot yourself in the foot play, they should be able to handle this pretty well. Um, again, that my number is like 11 and a half though. So I don't, I don't know that I feel strongly about them winning by two scores or strongly about betting Vanderbilt to do anything uh, after the spot from last week. How about Florida possibly being able to get to eight and four this year? Now it would require a win over Florida State, but uh, a heck of a job by Billy Napier and Bunch. Uh, you Scott, you, you wish this summer that he had the space to say, "Shut up, morons, and let me do this. It's going to be okay." Because it <laughs> I very think that's much what he was. Okay. I think that's what he really said, though, right? If yeah, you can read between the diplomatically. lines, diplomatically, yeah. <laughs> uh, Scott Young and, of course, uh, several other people wanted to know about Western Kentucky and Auburn this week. That one opened at seven and a half. Uh, it's down to five and a half. Um, and I've already told somebody that I am staying away from this one because what Carnell Cadillac Williams is doing down there, I mean, they are hyped up. And you want to talk about just a talent advantage, regardless of what the roster looks like against other SEC teams. Uh, we have seen Western Kentucky get outclassed talent-wise against other teams in the Conference USA. So I would stay away from this. But, uh, Kyle, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts here. Like, again, Auburn has Alabama coming up next week. But do you fully put everything into that game? You you win this one, and you still got a chance to go bowling if you can upset the tide next week. So I, it, this ain't a spot that I want to be involved in. What, what do you think, Kyle? No, I mean, I, I think a lot of people want to bet the team that's the, um, the smaller-name team against the big-name team that hasn't been very good. But I think this is a unique situation, like you said, Gary. I mean, they're playing really hard right now. They're playing far better than they did earlier in the season. Um I think at this number, I'd probably be inclined to lean Auburn if I had to bet the game, honestly. Maybe even an over, thinking both teams have some success. Um, so I'll lean over, lean Auburn, but I think this is a pretty easy game to stay away from based on the the unknowns. Yeah, if this thing keeps moving down, I was shocked that it went under seven. Uh, five and a half is kind of crazy. Uh, Parker, you, you got a feel on this one. 
No, I oh, got Western Kentucky and Auburn. Totally didn't listen. There's Western no, Kentucky. Yes, I was. I, 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 you said you said Carnell Williams, and I was pulling a stat, and then lost you there. Um, uh, I, I like Western Kentucky. I think Western Kentucky grades out almost as good as UCF in terms of um, group of five teams, just because their offense is so potent. Um, this could be a sneaky trap game here, uh, but I don't. Again, I think that Auburn's so much more obviously talented. If they can just do the basics well, they should be able to to cover. That's, I think you're going to see a huge game from Tank Bigsby in this one. So, uh, William Herman jumps in. Uh, thoughts on Boston College and Purdue? Um, so, those two are not uh, – I don't believe those two are playing each other. So, <laughs> let's see exactly what we've got here. Uh, let's go with uh, with uh, Purdue first. They're playing Northwestern. They're favored by 20. Of course, massive win for them over Illinois last week. Uh, so, Purdue and Northwestern. Uh, Parker, how, how do you feel here? A 20-point uh, you know, spread for Purdue and a total of 47.5. Northwestern's bad, but are they are they that bad? Well, I mean, in one sense, yes, they are that bad. But um, I, I think what I'm looking for here is just because given Purdue's commitment to this style, um, you know, Notre Dame, or excuse me, Northwestern kind of knows what's coming and can defend that pretty decently, even if they can't, like, Northwestern can't do everything against every D, uh, offense well, but against a one-dimensional offense like Purdue, I think that they actually might have more of an advantage than their, their metrics suggest. I have them at 62nd um, overall and 49th in EPA per pass, where, where Northwestern's really gotten burned is because they've been so bad against the run on defense. And Purdue, as we know, just can't, just one doesn't, and two can't run the ball consistently. So this is far too big of a number for me. I tend to agree. Uh, Kyle, the Boston College win. Boston College is playing Notre Dame this week. I completely forgot about it. Uh, But Notre Dame is a 21-point favorite there. And the total sits at 45. So, again, low total, uh, massive spread. Uh, Notre Dame, you know, showed early last week against Navy, like, that they can run away with the game. But they obviously did not put it away. I think they had 20 total plays and, what, two yards or negative two yards total in the second half and still found a way to win the game. Boston College got a little life with this new quarterback. Of course, uh, got a win just last week. I feels like too many points, but also eh, maybe not. I mean, Notre Dame does have USD coming up. What, what do you see on this? I wouldn't want to lay that many points with Notre Dame. I, I think uh, Notre Dame has showed multiple times that they kind of sit on these leads. And um, if they do that here, you know, Boston College, that new quarterbacks played pretty well, like you said. Um I think that they could be a little bit feisty. Uh, this one's pretty windy, almost uh, 17, 18 miles per hour wind. So keep that in mind. I think that could make that a little bit lower scoring game, if anything. Uh, 21 points is quite a bit. I, just a slight lean to Boston College for me. Uh, I'm going to do two more, and then the rest of these uh, that we've put together, I'm, I will personally answer in the chat or in the uh, comments afterwards because we are going super long here because uh, there's quite a few for me as far as like Buffalo Akron, et cetera. Kyle has got some questions about ECU, et cetera. Uh, but let's grab these two. Um, PM jumps in. He said, I got South Alabama at plus six uh, before the season. The current line is minus seven and a half. Is it worth trying to middle? Kyle, uh, this is an interesting handicap question. Do you feel like it's maybe worth uh, trying the middle when you've got a plus six on one side and a minus seven and a half on the other? Um, you know, I think it's uh, I don't want to middle completely out of something like that because you already have a good bet. Um, I think if you do, you probably take like half of it and bet it back the other way because uh, I don't like getting rid of a, a good number completely. So 
Uh, I think too many, some, pe some people try to hedge out completely too quickly, I guess is the way I would say it. Um, and how much do you trust Southern Miss's offense? I mean, you know, Southern Miss hasn't been able to score on many teams, and South Alabama, pretty good defense. So I, I could see trying to get out of maybe half of that bet or something, and maybe you try to win both sides. Um, but I wouldn't want to get rid of it totally. I could, I could certainly understand that. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a weird one because I, I don't know how much you trust Southern Miss at all. I mean, it's, that's rough. Rough matchup there. I would I would want to stay away. Uh, Scott Young wants to know about Old Dominion and App State. Uh, Parker, this will be the last one that we hit on this before we get to our recaps. Um, and so App State is weird, and and they have been all year. Uh, I'm very irritated with them as far as trying to just figure them out because the numbers make no sense. They're now favored by 16 over Old Dominion. The total sits at 50. Old Dominion, another one that... Uh, just got blanked by Marshall and put up 49 points on Coastal Carolina. Uh, they handed the shots their only loss of the year, and yet this team is just, uh, You, How do you feel about App State and ODU uh, at minus 16 here? Yeah, I almost wonder if App State just kind of didn't. I mean, they let Marshall like march down the field multiple times, which is extremely embarrassing given the state of Marshall's offense overall. Like this defense is not good. Um, and I mean, they just played, they played turnover roulette with Marshall, like just really hurt themselves, um, gave up a punt touchdown, just, just a very sloppy performance overall for App State. Uh, I like Sean Clark and I, I, I think that they are capable of playing more disciplined football than they have. Um, I don't trust them to cover you know, more than two scores um, at all, though. Like, I think they'll nail down some of the fluky inconsistency from last week. But, man, I, I, I if if Marshall's offense can do that to you, um, I'm inclined to think almost anybody can do that to you. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I would not want to lay points with App State against anybody right now, I don't think. Uh, so let's, let's go on and say this. Heath, um, let's see. We've got another one from Kent. We got another one from... Uh, let's see, Mike G, uh, another one from Heath, et cetera. There's several more in here I will personally go through uh, later this afternoon and knock these things out. I will answer these questions, uh, and, and we'll get the guys to jump into the comments as well. But for now, we're going to get to our picks recap and let you know what our best bets of the day are. We also have, of course, the, uh, the Q&A for tomorrow, so we will have more time to get to questions. You can also shoot us questions on Twitter as well. Uh, the links are in the description for our Twitter accounts. Parker, you want to start us off with our best bets of the day? Yes, I'm going to go with Liberty minus 10 and Kansas at home plus 9. I'm going to roll UConn plus 10 at Army. I'm going to take Duke plus 7.5 at Pitt, and I will take ULM plus 15.5 at Troy. Kyle, what you got for us? I'm going to take Illinois and Michigan under 42 and a half, and I will also take Liberty minus 10. I like it. I like it. These are, I, I feel like we're going to get back on the wagon this week. This is good stuff. I had to use wagon in there since I, <laughs> I just learned what it was from you, Kyle. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I don't think there's anything else. Uh, of course, hey, click on the link in the description for the Thanksgiving Day giveaway. you got a couple more days. You can still get involved with that. If you haven't signed up at BetUS, $50 in free play at the link below. So make sure that you take advantage of that. Uh, make sure and like the video again. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good today. Not bad. We broke 150, so okay. Um, numbers are good today. 
Numbers are good. Make sure that you subscribe to the channel, of course, and to the podcast. Hit that notification bell. We will be back again tomorrow. So make sure that you've got your reminders set. Uh, jump in the comments. We want to know what your picks are on these games, etc. Any games that you would like for us to hit, of course, in the Q&A tomorrow, you can start wrapping those things into the comment section as well. With that said, it's time for us to wrap this baby up. I think. Make sure we got all of our notes. There's a lot of stuff going on as far as promos. Da, 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 da. Nope, we're good. We're good. That's going to do it. All right. With that said, for BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football. And we'll see you guys again tomorrow.